Come on, amen. We are, um, we are, I'm t- going to go a little bit different direction. If you, normally we have, we go through the Bible, um, you know, line by line. I know for some of you painstakingly slow, but there's so much to the depth of God's word that we really need to dive into it rather than just continually take a superficial view. So we dive deep into it. But I'm taking a, a little bit of a break, not again, not from the Word of God, but from the study that we've been doing in the Gospel of Luke, because I really feel God laying on my heart some things, and we need to lay some groundwork. We are headed into, in this month of August, what we are going to, uh, it's a national program, but it's something that I feel, it's, they do one day, I think we should do every Sunday, making it back to church Sunday. The whole month of August, I want to challenge you to begin to be prayerful, to consider how God would use you to invite somebody to church, how God would use you to invite somebody to come in the next week and the weeks to come to do that. And part of that is because we've talked a lot about this, and we always talk a lot about this because this is our truth, that we are, as a church, we are a family. This is a family unit, and we come in all different kinds and shapes and, and sizes. And in a family, listen, in a family, there's room for everyone. There is room for everyone. And as the family grows, we should continue to grow. I was talking to the staff and we were talking about this uh, back to church Sunday and, you know, inviting people, inviting friends. And, and, and it came up, and, and this is true, but it came up. It's like, well, do we really want to do something like that? Because right now we're full. You know, look around. I mean, first service does not have a whole lot less people in it than second service has. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord just speak to my heart. Oh, really? Are you going to stop growing because you're full? This is something that we have got to look at and something that we have to become willing to do. We can't stop growing. Which means that there's this issue. And it's not, again, it's a good issue to have. But how are you going to be a part of the solution of what God has for us? How are you going to be a part of what God wants you to do? How does God want to use you as the family of God and part of the family in this growth process? Look, you know, I say this, you're, you're a family member. You're, you're part of the family. And um, you can realize that and, and realize that in yourself, or you can, even though you're part of the family, you can continue to look at yourself as a visitor. It's easier being a visitor. Visitor doesn't have to do the dishes. Visitor doesn't have to vacuum the floor before people come. A Visitor doesn't have to do the things that family does. Come on, every daughter should say amen. amen. <laughs> We're family. So what does God want to use you to do? If you're part of this family, God has a plan for you inside the church to be part of this process of growth. Maybe God wants to use you in this place of just inviting people, that being that, you know, that place where you're inviting, encouraging, and wanting people to come, and some of you are doing a really good job at that, but there's got to be more of us. There's got to be a place. God's desire for the church is not that it be added to, but that it be multiplied. Amen. Yes. All right. I, and again, I'm, I don't, honestly, I, I, what I would love to do, I'd love to see the church grow to the point where we have to start planting other churches somewhere, because this isn't about just growing new life. This is about the kingdom of God. Amen. So 
what does God want to use you as? Does God, look, you know, when you want people to come over to your house, you want to make sure that things are taken care of. You want to make sure that the house is in order. You want to make sure that everything's in good standing. You want to make sure that everything's taken care of. Well, we want the same thing here. When people come, we want to see a children's ministry where the people in children's ministry are passionate about children's ministry. That passion is something that needs to be fulfilled in, in, in the hearts of people that are serving so that those who are receiving are receiving that passion. All the passionate people said? Amen. We, we need to be a part of serving. Where are the, you know, the greeters at the door? Even if you're not at the door. Greeting where you are. Being a, a part of the family, making people feel welcome, making sure that that's part of what you come ready to do because this is what I do. This is part of my family and I'm part of the family here and I'm going to do what I can do to reach out and make people feel included and encouraged and loved on and cared about because that's what Jesus did for me and I'm going to do for others what Jesus did for me because I want Jesus to move through me. So we reach out and we minister and we are that. Our kids ministry. Why, should, why in the world should we struggle to get people and make it feel like we're pulling teeth trying to get people to go over and to minister in our preschool area where you have some of the most dear, most precious, most encouraging little ones that you will ever find. They're at an age where they still like to be around you. A place where you get to impart the freshness and the most impressionable age of a child. You get to go over there. Where are the people with passion for children? Where are the people with passion to serve in these areas? Where are those with a passion to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Amen. Instead of it making it feel like, you know what, I, oh man, I hate to say it, we need you to serve again. I'm a, where are the people of God that are saying, you know what? Hey, I want to serve. What do you mean I have to take a break? Uh-oh. We need to be a part of the kingdom, a part of the family, a part of the growth plan that God has. Look, are you family here? Yes. Then you need to make a decision to serve where you're needed. Amen. Look, we get it out of line. We're, we're sitting back and we're waiting and going, oh, okay, you know, okay, God, you know, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm not sure where you want me to serve. I, I, I'm just going to sit around. I'm going to sit around and do nothing until I have this sure word, God, that it's you. And God's saying, well, I'm just going to sit around and watch what you do. Are you really going to look at all those needs? Are you really going to look at all those places where they need and have help, need help and, and places where you can make a difference? Family steps in and says, you know what? I'll do it. I'll help. We will give you the desires of your heart. Yes. Look, we think that means that, oh, God's going to give me whatever I desire. How many of you have found out that that's not the way it works? Amen. Sometimes the things that I desire. Amen. Come on. <laughs> I, I, want, I just want the stuff I really like. Will give you, God will give you the desire for those places that you show faithfulness to him. He will give you a desire for the places that you step into. He will give you a heart for the things you start to do. Because God gives you the desires of your heart. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, 
I want you to pray this week about who you can invite, who you can bring, who you can, and, and, and who can you make an investment to do that for? Can you take somebody out to lunch after church? Can you take somebody to breakfast before church? Can you say, you know what, I really want to buy you a meal. Come on out, let's have a meal. And then afterwards, we'll go to church together. I want you to meet my family. I got this great family and I am so blessed with them. The best people in the world come to this place. And I want you to meet them because, man, they bless me every single week. Who's that for you? I'm going to challenge you with that. Because we're going to begin. I, I, I hope that you guys, I, I posted the last, and the, the, the sermon that I um, finished up, Luke chapter 8, in verses 26 through 39. I finished that up. I posted it online. It's there. I don't normally do that. I, but I did it online for you from the cabin when we were um, spending some time in prayer and study and, and just, you know, resting ourselves a bit. And... and um, I did that because I wanted you to have the final of that sermon. I hope you'll go listen to it. I hope that you'll take that in. I hope that you will. Um, I, I think it's important. It's great. It's yeah. Good. Praise God for that. Thank you. And so will you do that? Go look. It's on the Facebook page. I believe it's on the YouTube as well, but I'm not positive. Anyway, um, because we're going to start for this next month, we're going to do a sermon series called Rooted about where our roots are and how do we put our roots down. Because I promise you with the sermon series that I have coming after Rooted, which is behind the curtain, you're going to need to be rooted or, or, or we're going to lose a bunch of you. When we start getting into some of this stuff and start looking at some of the things that are going on in people's lives and some of the lies we've been told and believed, even in the church, some of you are going to be challenged. And if your roots aren't deep, the wind is going to blow you away. So it's important that we understand where our roots are. When we're planted in the right environment, we can, in that right environment, with the right things, we can see our roots go deep. And when our roots go deep, we begin to produce fruit from our spirit. We begin to produce the fruit of the spirit in our life. It begins to show forth. And so I want to talk about some ways. This is not exhaustive, but there are ways in which we can look at some practices. And I'm going to talk about four things over the next four weeks that we can do to root ourselves and to be rooted. And again, very simplistic, but you know, the gospel is simplistic. It's not really hard to understand once you come to Christ. It, it is hard to implement. Amen. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk over the next few weeks about being rooted and rooting ourselves in sharing, rooting ourselves in faith, rooting ourselves in prayer and study, and then rooting ourselves in community. And what that means to our lives. How do we apply that? Because God has given us the church, this church family, and he's given us this place. And this place is ripe. It's the right environment for us to be able to develop this foundation. Okay, every foundation is built upon the rock, Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. He is the chief cornerstone, but he still has this desire for us to grow upon that, to grow and to let our roots go deep. So when we surround ourselves with people that love God, when we surround ourselves with people who are seeking to serve God, people who are passionate about God, people who are head over heels crazy in love with God, it inspires us to the same thing. It inspires us to that place. Look, are you, are you the one inspiring others or are you the one that needs inspiration? 
Okay, both are needed, both are necessary, and I'm not talking down about one or the other, but we need to realize where we are. Either way, we spread ourselves out. So in, the, in this, this week, I want to talk about being rooted in our sharing. You know, good news is something that we, I mean, you ever get really, really good news and you just can't keep it to yourself? I mean, I got to tell somebody. I got to show somebody. I got to share it with somebody. I mean, good news, it's like, I can't help it. You know, I mean, you, you look at somebody and go, you want to tell me something, huh? I mean, there's this good news that we just can't help and we just want to give it up. I mean, I was working in a restaurant and her and my sister-in-law came into the restaurant and she was going to tell me that she was pregnant. And she told me and, and it's like, you know, ah, but my first, I was, my first reaction was, I can't believe you told my sister-in-law before me. I know. I know. 34 years later, and I'm still dealing with this bitterness. I, I wasn't because, we were all very close, and it wasn't because my sister-in-law knew. It was because this was such good news, I wanted to be the one to have it first. I wanted the good news. I wanted that. And after I got that good news, I wanted to share that good news. I wanted to tell everybody. But I couldn't until our parents found out, until we were able to tell them. And so we couldn't get there fast enough because I wanted to tell everybody we were going to have a baby. This was the best news ever. We were, we were going to have a baby. Our family was going to grow and expand. And it was impossible not to bring that up. I could bring it up in any and every conversation I had. I could find a way to work in the fact that we're going to have a baby. I was so creative. I mean, I went into conversations thinking, how am I going to bring this up? How am I going to share this good news? I could not wait. And I tell you what, when we finally told our parents and I could tell everybody, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. I wanted to tell everybody. I was telling complete strangers. I'd start talking to people at the gas station. I didn't care where it was. The clerks at the grocery store knew that we were having a baby. Because it was this great news that I had, this news that I could not wait and help but share. Amen. It was this best news ever. And when I had this best news ever, I could not keep it to myself. Church, we find that we have been given the greatest news ever in the pages of the Bible. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is God's plan. God's plan to love on us. God's plan to reconcile us. God's plan to redeem us. God's plan of forgiveness. Hey, listen, look, I'll say this. If that's not the greatest news that you have ever had or ever received in your life, then you probably need to get saved today. Amen. Because man, oh man, that power, that life, that, I mean, that he gets... I hope and pray that if that's not the greatest news ever today, you will hear the good news and you will receive it into your life because that's why God brought you here. Amen. He loves you that much. This is the good news that from the very beginning has been, it changed everything. It's the good news that still today is changing everything. And it's the good news that will change everything. It's the good news. It's the source of hope in our life. It's the source upon which we can, we can grow. It's the source upon which we can find real joy in our life. When we embrace this good news, we can embrace the joy of the Lord in our life. It's, it's where we find the motivation to love people and to care for people and to acknowledge the goodness of God for their lives. It's the good news, church. It is the good news. And the good news, I mean, there's one 
Bible verse, one Bible verse that so distinctly shares the fullness of all the good news. And it is a Bible, it is a verse that it's not overused, it's not a cliche. This Bible verse is the greatest news ever. Amen. And it's John chapter 3 in verse 16. Amen. It says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loved the world that God the Father sent God the Son into this world. And he did what he did. And then, then it says, and who, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the good news. God so loved the whole world. Come on, church. God so loved the whole world. That means everyone, every ethnos, every nationality, every background, everything, everyone. God so loved the world that he sent his son, his one and only son, Jesus the Christ, God in the flesh that came into this world. And Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless life. He came into this world and he lived for you and I. And he came to be the sacrifice. He came to be the Lamb of God. He came to shed His blood so that you and I would not have to shed ours. He came on our behalf and He came to cleanse us and to wash us clean. He came to cleanse us from every sin and every iniquity. You know what, what sin really sin is? Sin is a disease. And every single one of us are afflicted. Every single one of us, we find symptoms in our life. There are sickness, and, and, it, and it makes us, in that sickness, the symptoms that come, it makes us selfish. Yes. It makes us prideful, and it makes us arrogant, and it makes us hateful, and it makes us bitter, and it makes us destructive, and it makes us angry, and it makes us foolish, and it goes on and on and on and on. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to free us from the bondage of sin and to set us free from the symptoms that overwhelm our life. He came to do for you and I in our life what we were powerless to do on our own. And that is the greatest news, church. That is the best news ever. It's called the good news. But the greatest reason that we need to share that great news with everybody is not, it's not what I was just simply talking about there. Why we share it is said in the second part of that verse in, Je in, in John 3.16. He tells us that anyone, come on, say anyone. anyone. Is there, is, are there any anyone's here today? <laughs> come on, we are, any, we are the anyone's. Anyone who believes Jesus Christ died for them will be saved from eternal punishment, from separation from God, and receive eternal life. Belief in this good news results in eternal life, church, everlasting life, a life that is separated from all of the things that drag us down, the things that sin brings into our life and sets us free for the goodness of God in our life. That news is just way too good to share. Yeah, not sure. Not sure. I mean, yes, too good not to share. <laughs> just, seeing if you're, just seeing if you're listening. It is too good a news. So as disciples, disciples, my, I'm going to make a couple of quick points. One, disciples believe the good news. Okay, the Bible says that, that those who hear and believe the good news are disciples. 
Disciples, followers. Jesus had 12 men that followed him. Men that he taught, men that he trained, men that he spoke into their lives and used in ministry. And they are known as the disciples, the 12 disciples. The Greek word is methetes. And methetes means student or pupil or follower. Who are you a student, a pupil, a follower of? Again, I want to be careful. We, 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 we say that because we, you know, it's like the kids ask them a question about anything in church and they just know the answer. Jesus! <laughs> but who do, we, who do we really truly follow? I, um, when I was in third grade, my favorite teacher of all the teachers that I ever had, her name was Miss Moretta. Miss Moretta was really, really pretty. In third grade, again, I just... Please, it was not a lust thing. It was just like, she was really pretty and I want to marry her one day. <laughs> so as a third grader, that was my heart. You know, I just wanted to marry this lady. And it wasn't just simply because she was pretty though. It was because I knew as a third grader, this lady loves me. She loved us. She loved the students, and everything she did was for the students. Everything she did, she had all kinds of things. I know it now, I look back and I think, all the work it must have taken to take care of all the critters that she had, and all the reptiles that she had, and all the fun things that third graders love. She had a ferret before having ferrets was GQ. I mean, she did all of these things because she did it for us. And so it was like, I wanted to learn, I wanted to, uh, I wanted, I mean, she taught in such a way that I wanted to learn because of the way in which she taught. I loved that class and I loved being there and that classroom really did change my life. It created in me a major impact on my life because it was at that point, it was like, man, I want to learn. I, learning can be fun. Well, the disciples were students of Jesus. He was their teacher. In the same way in which Miss Moretta was my third grade, third grade teacher, Jesus was the teacher of the disciples, and he taught them. And he taught them in such a loving way that they were just drawn to him. They couldn't help but follow him. They were willing to lay everything down to follow after Jesus because of the way that he taught them, because of the way. Look, look as disciples, one day, we're going to want to marry the Lamb. Because he loves us so much. And he taught the disciples and he's taught them how to, how to feed the sick. He taught how to feed the hungry and heal the sick. He taught them how to serve people in need. He taught them what leadership looked like. Well, listen, the church today is filled with disciples. Come on, Amen. The church is filled with disciples, students, pupils, followers that would strive to learn from Jesus, strive to, to, to understand what Jesus is saying, to hear what Jesus is doing, to live like Jesus lived because we love him, because we have been drawn into his care. When um, well, the first time anybody ever started to really witness to me about Jesus Christ, 
I was about 18 years old, and I worked with this guy, and his name was Mike Coney. Mike was a, a, an on-fire Christian, and we were carpet installers, and so I was out every day with him, and we were on job sites every single day installing carpet, and he would, his life reflected something that I knew I didn't have, and there was something in him that I was drawn to him, because this guy loved me. I don't know why. He just did. I mean, I'd be out partying the night before and I'd be hungover and I'd be in my bed and I just, you know, the alarm, I, I, didn't, I don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, I mean, there'd be this banging on my door. And it was Mike. Come on, man. Got to go to work. Got to get up. Got to lose your job. And he'd get me up and he'd take me and he'd deal with me all day long. And I knew he loved me. But this guy loved Jesus. And he'd tell me about Jesus. And he'd tell me about Jesus with the things that he would say. And he'd tell me about Jesus with the way he lived his life. I was just watching this guy. And I was like, I was drawn to him. I wanted to hear what he had to say. And I remember one day, he was never pushy. He just was just always sharing. His life was always sharing. And I remember one day, I, he, you know, he, he got me to kneel down on this job site, you know, where in the middle of some lady's living room. And he had talked me into saying the sinner's prayer. And I did because... I really, I really cared about him. I, I really, what he said and what he wanted meant something to me. And so I, I did. I, and I didn't get saved. But I'll tell you what, I'll never forget his life and how he spoke into my life through the way he acted, the way he treated me, the way he, he ministered the word in such a loving and kind way. I, when I finally did get saved seven, eight years later, it was because of the seed that he had planted in my life that I finally gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And I will be eternally grateful to him because of the way he loved me and cared for me and the way his compassion drew him to myself. I, my life was changed because of what he did. It just wasn't changed in the moment that I was there. But he began to create these roots and these roots in me that started to grow that eventually went down into the truth of God's word and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. You. you know what? Maybe today you've never heard the good news. I, and I want to tell you this in a nutshell. You are loved by God the Father. Amen. Come on, hear me. Don't let the distractions stop you. Don't let anything hinder what God wants you to hear right now. You are loved by God the Father. You are loved so much that he sent his only son. He sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come into this world to rescue you because you were caught up in the disease of sin. You were caught up in the bondage of sin. And Jesus came into this dark world to find you and save you. And he came on this rescue plan. And he came, Jesus, he was born of a virgin. He lived a totally sinless life. He died on a cross for you, paying the penalty for your sins so that you would not have to. And he was buried in a grave. He was buried in a tomb, but God didn't leave him there. And after three days, he arose from the grave. He revealed himself to hundreds of people as witnesses to the life that he was now living. And then he arose, and he arose back to the right hand of the Father, where they saw him go, so that they would know that Jesus showed them the way. Because Jesus is the way, and there is no other besides him. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And no man will come to the Father, except 
except by him. And they saw Jesus come and Jesus rescued them in the darkness and he came and delivered them to the light and he came to show them the way to, to heaven, the way back to the Father. And he is the only way, church. And when you, when you place your trust, your faith in Him, He forgives you of your sins. He cleanses you of the disease of sin. He heals you and offers you a brand new life. And not just life here, but it's a life that is eternal. A life that will last forever. And church, we believe that in our mind because today you're hearing that. You hear that, and so we say, Lord, yes, I, I will believe that. And then we begin to trust, and we receive that in our heart. Our heart begins to be changed and transformed because God will do that. And then we begin to live it. Amen. We begin to walk it out. We begin to see the reflection of Jesus through our life. And at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, church, he gave this final instruction. When he was returning to heaven, he said he wanted the disciples to share this good news. He did not want them to stop. He did not want others. He did not want you and I to not hear the good news because Jesus went back to the Father. He wants you and I to share that good news. It says in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for all of you that were baptized last week in obedience to God's word. Thank God for the celebration that happened. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Look, the message of Matthew 28, to see his love is theirs only, he wanted them to share the good news. He did not want them to take the knowledge and the wisdom of God's kingdom and hoard it. He said, share the good news. Look, he, God did not create any undercover agents in his kingdom. He called you to shine. He called you to reflect the glory of the Lord. He didn't call you to be undercover. He called you to be in Christ. To share the good news. Jesus wanted the disciples to root their lives in sharing the good news with the whole world, all the world, to bless all the people, all those that are around you. You're that light. And then he says, the second point is to share your life. To share who you are with what you are. Make disciples of the nations. You know how you make disciples? Twofold. One, you have to talk about it. Listen, you have to talk about it. You have to tell people about Jesus. You can't preach without talking. Yes. A lot of people, oh, I just, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna do. No, you have to say something. You have to share the gospel. You need to bring, you need to bring Jesus up in conversation. You need to be so enthralled with the good news, so excited and so passionate about the good news that you're looking for a way to bring Jesus up in every conversation you can. Just like I wanted to bring up the fact that we were having a baby. We, we, I could bring it up in any conversation. I could segue into that no matter what the conversation was about. I could take the conversation of politics and bring it into birthing. Listen, the same way we should be able to take our testimony and begin to share what God has done in our life out of a passion, not out of a, you know, one, two, three, this is what you need to do. Out of a place not where you're telling them what to do, you're sharing what God's done with you. 
because what God did with you, he's no respecter of persons. He'll do with another. Share what God's done in your life. Share the word of your testimony. There's power in your testimony. There's power in what God has done in your life. There is power to affect the lives of others when you begin to share how God affected your life. Do you know what your testimony is? Do you know how to share it? Do you know how to be effective with it? We need to learn. We need to share. We need to understand. There is power in the word of our testimony to share with people what God has done in our life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So use your tongue. The second thing is to begin to live your life in a way that reflects what you already have learned about Jesus. Church, to live your life Look, to live your life in kindness, to live your life being merciful, being gracious, to live your life being kind. No matter where you are, even on the freeway in the morning when you're late for work. You know that time of the morning when birds fly? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Look, I tell you every week, be the church. Be a reflection of Jesus. Be nice. Come on, be nice said this over and over and over again. If you're not nice and don't want to be a nice Christian, there are other churches in town. God wants us to be nice. I mean, come on. Because when we live this way, when we live with passion, when we live with a fire in our life, when we live with something that we're worth living for, when we live with something that we're excited about, when we live with that way, listen, people are drawn to that. People are, it's contagious. Look, your dark, defeated, negative, sin-filled lifestyle is going to attract no one. No one. Don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk for others to see and others to believe. I love this story. St. Francis of Assisi, he said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. There's a story. St. Francis once invited a young monk to join him on a trip to preach, and the young monk was honored to be invited, and he, he said, of course, I'll go with you. And so they left in the morning, and the two of them went into the community that they were right there around, and they walked through the streets, they walked through the alleys, they walked through the marketplace, they rubbed elbows with hundreds of people throughout the whole day, and they just went out and, and just lived. But they were on their way back, and St. Francis had never addressed the crowd, never preached the gospel once. And the young man was disappointed, and he said, I thought we were going to preach in town. And St. Francis said, my son, we have preached. We were preaching while we were walking. We were seen by many. Our behavior was closely watched. Look, disciple, your behavior is closely watched. People are watching. And then he said this, it is of no use to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere as we walk. 
Our lives are proof to a watching world that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and that Jesus can do what he says he can do. Amen? Amen. Look, if someone was to watch you and someone was to spend the, the next 24 hours with you, would they discover that you know God? If someone was to look at all the places that you spend your time and your attention and your energy and your money and your affections, would they see that you love Jesus? Because church, every day, we are share, every day we share our faith. Yes. I think that we might need to some define exactly what our faith is. Amen. Because every day we're sharing what is the truth of our faith. And Jesus said, we're to share the good news of the gospel and to do it with all nations. And again, that means every people group, every, I mean, that means mankind. You know, God didn't create us in different forms and functions. When he created, he created mankind. And he wants us to minister to mankind, to all people, no matter what race, no matter what economic condition, no matter the background, no matter the location, no matter where they live, no matter what it is that's going on. Look, God wants us to be able to minister the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even to people of different political backgrounds. Hey, the message is for everyone. For everyone. And lastly, we are called to be ambassadors. You know, uh, in this place, in the end, rooting ourselves in sharing means that we are constantly looking for ways to give away what God has given to us. We constantly want to give away the grace that God shared with us. We're constantly wanting to give away the love that God shared with us, the, the mercy that God had for us to give away the things that we have found that we have been given in Christ. Constantly wanting to share with people. And again, Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 5, that we have this high calling, this high calling to be, you know, holy hosts, holy trumpeters, again, super spreaders of the gospel. He said this in verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. If you are born again, you are an ambassador for Christ. The fact is, is that's who we are. We are an ambassador for Christ. Then it's up to us as to what kind of job we're doing as an ambassador. But we are ambassadors. You know, that's what happens as an ambassador, a high-ranking official that's sent from one nation or one country to another to represent the country that they have been sent from. And they go into that new country and they live there to represent their country. To, and they live by their, they still continue to live by the laws of their country. They live by the, uh, the politics of their nation. They live by the authority of that nation. They're just here representing another nation. And church, you and I, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of another kingdom. And we are just living here on earth. We are ambassadors here. And that means this, that God didn't just... Save you to leave you to yourself. 
God saved you for a purpose. There is not a single one of you here. If you can hear my voice, God has a purpose for you. There's a purpose. There is a plan. There's a reason he saved you. There's something he's calling you to do. There's something he designed for you. There's something he desires. You are his masterpiece, and he has created great things in store for you to do. And he created them in advance. And you are here, and you are here on purpose. You're hearing this today on purpose. You think you're here by accident. You think you're here by invitation. You think you're here for one reason or another. You're here to hear this, that you have a purpose and that God has a plan for you and that through that plan, he's going to use you on purpose. And he saved you to use you, to make you see that you are an ambassador right where you are. You are an ambassador in your neighborhood. You are an ambassador in your workplace. You are an ambassador at your school. You are an ambassador on the sports team. You're an ambassador wherever it is you go. You are an ambassador representing the kingdom of God. And where you go, you walk by the authority of that kingdom, not the authority of the kingdom of this world. God has given you a purpose and a plan, church, that you would represent and that you would share with other people the benefits, the provision of his kingdom and make an appeal to other people on God's behalf. That's what we're here for. And church, this appeal is urgent. It's time sensitive. Because at the end of someone's life, whether that's hours, days, months, years, no man knows, nor is no man promised tomorrow. We're all going to leave this earth. And the decisions about Jesus Christ that we make today will affect where we end up and where we go whether we experience eternity and eternal life uh, apart from Christ in hell or whether we experience an eternal life that Jesus created for you and I that we could be restored to the Father and heaven would be our home. But the choice that we make will determine the response. Or the, the, the choice that we make to respond to the good news will determine the place in which we stay. So this is important. And because of that, we should use everything to reach those around us. Everything. Every tiny little bit of kindness that's in us. Every little bit of grace that he's given us. It's not by power, it's not by might, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. What length is too far? What length is too far for you to take, to deliver the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me finish with this story. Every, every year, I love this, every year in Alaska, there's a thousand mile sled race, a sled race. And it commemorates an original race that was held in 1926. It was a race that was for saving lives, and some of you may know the story. But in January 1926, there was a six-year-old boy named Richard Stanley who came down with symptoms of diphtheria. Well, that meant that there was a possibility of an outbreak of diphtheria in this little tiny town of Nome, Alaska. Well, the next day, after coming down with the symptoms of diphtheria, the little boy died. And the doctor in town, they had an experimental immunization that they could use, and he started giving people the immunization. And it was working. The problem is they ran out of the immunization. 
And so a group of trappers decided that they would make a thousand-mile trek from Nome, Alaska to the only other place where the immunization was, which was in Nanana, Alaska. And they decided that they would make this sled race, or this, this trek with their sled dogs in this thousand-mile trek. And so one team left from Nome and one team left from Nanana, and they both traveled to the hours. All to get the immunization, the cure, the, the help for what could have been an epidemic. All of the pain and all of the agony and all of the discomfort that they went through to get that back. I think it was a sacrifice that was given so that this entire town could live because after everybody was immunized, only one more person died. Everyone else was safe from what would have been an outbreak of diphtheria. Church, you and I, we know the cure for some kind of an illness. We call it sin. And if we had a, the cure, why would we not share that with people? Why would we not do whatever we could do to make sure that they were there? What is it that we would not do? We have the cure for sin. And we should be eager. We should be passionate about telling other people. Jesus. Look, when we have been reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we want in our heart to see others experience that kind of connection and that kind of friendship with God. Yes. It's going to naturally flow. Yes. Worship team, come on back up. Church, will you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Look, for some of you today, maybe you've never heard the gospel message and you need to respond. You need to just say, yes, Jesus, I need you. Some of you may be in that place today. I need to be born again. And praise God, he's here and he's extended a hand to you. And it doesn't matter how far away you have gone, how far fallen you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. There's not a single one of you. Listen, if you can hear me today, if you're within the, the, the earshot of my voice, you are not too far for the hand of God to reach. And he has forgiveness and cleansing to set you free from the condemnation that's come upon us, the guilt. And you need to say, yes, Lord. I don't know it all. I don't have it all figured out. I've never heard the message before. But that's what I want. I need. I need that. That's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. That you would say, yes, Lord. And you need to respond. You need to tell somebody. You need to share it. You, you, you need to call on his name. Like I, I got saved in my truck all alone. Oh, Jesus loves you. And I hope and pray, and I'm not trying to conjure anything up. I'm just passionate about this. And I hope that that passion didn't come across in an angry way. I hope it came across in a loving way. Just passionate about what Jesus Christ has done for me. How oh, he's set me free from so much bondage and so much 
Oh, my goodness. And he has the same thing for you. Is that you today? If you're here and God's speaking to your heart, I, I just, I'm not gonna, listen, you're, you're saved between what goes on between you and Jesus. I just wanna know so I can pray for you. We're not counting, we're not marking it down, we're not putting a notch in our belt. No. So, what's God doing in you? You need Jesus today? You need to receive the good news into your life? Just raise your hand up so I can know where you're at and I can pray for you. Come on, hold him up. I see him. See him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, any others? Oh, thank you, Jesus. On, the, the Bible says that the angels rejoice. <laughs> angels rejoice over one sinner coming to salvation. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate your hand going up. Thank you. The Lord has his hand on you. He's doing something in your life. And he's moving. And he continues to draw you back here for a reason, for a purpose. And it's because he loves you. And he cares for you. And he knows you. He knows you by name. He knows what he created you for. And what the enemy has tried to steal and rob and destroy, God is restoring for you. And he has life. And he has life more abundantly. And he is pouring it out. And he's pouring it out on you. And you need to continue to keep your hands, not like this, but you keep your hands outstretched to him so he can fill your cup and continue to do what only God can do in your life. Because he has his hand on your life. I can see his hand touching you, laying on your head. He's changing your thoughts. He's changing you the things that are that no man could do, not even you. And he's doing what it would be impossible other than a supernatural God doing something. And he's doing that in you. He's doing that in you right now. But that's for anyone who will receive that 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 just prophetic encouragement. Lord God, you saw the hands, you see the lives. God, move. Holy Spirit, have your way. Bring, Father God, forgiveness of sin. Bring the cleansing, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that there are those that are here that, hey, I don't even, you don't even have to know how to pray. I didn't. I just said, God, I saw something in some people that I don't have, and I want what they have. Can you do that in me, God? And he says, watch me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the new birth. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in the hearts of lives of people today. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Now you need to talk to somebody. You need to enter into some discipleship. You need to allow yourself to be renewed. You need to allow yourself to, to find that walking out of your salvation. And we want to help you. And if that's you, just make sure that you talk to somebody. You call on the name of the Lord. Oh, and he will be found. So let me also ask you this. Who is that one person that you could share the grace of God with this week. Now, who's that person that God is laying on your heart today? Who is it that God is just showing you their face? I know 
it's probably somebody that you're going, oh God, not them. That's why today you need to begin to ask the Lord to let the Holy Spirit empower you with a boldness that I would have witty inventions in how to share the gospel. Creative ways that would be birthed from the throne of heaven. Come on, what is that way? What's that one way? Think about this. What's that one way that you can share your faith? In words and deeds. How can you share your faith this week with people around you to let others know about God's love? What can you do? What can you say? How can God use you? And make an intentional point to be an ambassador. An ambassador for the kingdom of God every single morning. And remember to invite them. To invite them to church. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out a way to put... Uh, we'll figure out whatever. We'll knock out windows. We are the family of God. And in my family, I cannot wait till my younger children start having children. Because I want my family to grow that way. I can't wait. I can't wait for the new birth that God has done today and will do next week and will do the week after that. The new births of new people, of new people coming into the kingdom, becoming sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, increasing, encouraging, and growing the family of God to see a multiplication like we never dreamed or imagined. God's got something special, church, and you have a purpose in it. You have a plan in it. You need to rise up. It's time the church get off their butt and get into gear and start doing what God has called us to do, to be the church. Who will you share with? Who will you share the good news with this week? Amen? Uh, come on, let's stand up. Let's worship the Lord. If you need some prayer today, I would love to pray with you. The altar is open. We would love to pray with you. But come on, let's worship our God. Worship our King.
as family, we stand together and we walk through the thick, we walk through the thin, we walk through the good, we walk through the bad, we walk through the difficult times as well as the good times together. And our, our sister Angela is going in, she's having some surgery this week. And um, it's unnerving. Let me just say, and they're fighting this good fight, but the spirit of fear just wants to continually come over and wants to just, for one reason or another, and I think as we've talked, you know, she'll find victory in this one area of fear, and, and he just morphs into a different place. Anybody recognize that in their life? And, and we want to just pray against all of that. And watch the blessings of God just flow in and through this time. So can we gather around our sister, Angela, I want you to see your family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Lord, God. Come on, just gather. Just, I don't care. Crowd around. You can come stand on the stage if you need to. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your power to heal. Thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, it's not even the power to heal. It's the person of healer. And today, Lord God, we declare that over Angela. We anoint her with oil, and we surround her as the family of God. And we continue to pray, Lord God, your healing touch over the top of her head, down through her shoulders, her back, to the very soles of her feet. I pray, God, that your anointing would flow, that even now you would deliver her from the need for surgery, that, God, you would set her free, that you would heal her, Lord. Oh, God, let your healing touch go forth. Virtue flow. And God, I thank you that every voice that would try to exalt itself against Angela and Herman, that, God, you would silence them that you are the God who's given us the authority over the unclean spirits that want to distract, that want to disturb us, that want to come in and create anxiety in us. And God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your peace would, Father, take the place of every anxiety and every fear that has tried to raise up its ugly head against her. And spirit of fear, we command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, for everyone that's here, that's, a, that, that's experiencing fear. Lord, you said you did not give us the spirit of fear, but that, God, you have given us power and love and a sound mind. And I pray today, Lord God, that you would, Father, let your hedge be up about and protecting from the spirit of fear for each and every one in the family of God. Thank you today, Lord, that today is a day of liberty, a day, Lord God, of provision, and a day of protection. Today, Lord God, let Angela, let Herman know that they're in the palm of your hand, that you're holding them, and that, God, your plans are to bring prosperity in their body, soul, and spirit. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Grace them with a touch of the power of the Almighty. And I thank you for that today, Lord God. I thank you for that today. Oh, God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, and, and for anyone here, Lord, that is 
suffering and with infirmities. I, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would bring a mass deliverance from the sickness and illness, Lord, that comes at the hand of the evil one. That, God, you would bring forth breakthrough and deliverance in every portion of each and every being. That, God, we would see great and mighty things come forth as your testimony, Lord, is created in the hearts and the minds of men and women in this place as we experience our King, experience our Jesus in a fresh new way. So Jesus, reveal yourself as the healer, as healer, Lord. Reveal yourself with fresh revelation as you move through signs and wonders in the body of Christ. We thank you for that today, Lord. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, church. Thank you, family. Listen. Okay, I want to say this before you all start taking off. Service is not over. Service is about to begin. So go be the church. Amen? Go be that ambassador. And think about it. Who are you going to bring back to church next week? God bless you all. Have a beautiful, a wonderful day and week. Prince of peace. Perfect.